Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Culture Wars. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and I know I haven't posted a podcast uh, to this show in a little while. I do have a bunch of shows planned for the next couple of weeks. I'm still doing interviews regularly on my on my interview podcast, which you can find at thebridgehead.ca if you're interested. We've been having a lot of really fascinating discussions with pro-life and pro-family and conservative intellectuals and activists and authors and journalists and that sort of thing. But today I wanted to just uh, answer a question a lot of people have been asking me lately, which is, who is the best person to support in the conservative leadership race? Now, just to give a bit of background for those of you who haven't been following this very closely, uh, after Andrew Scheer stepped down as the leader of the Conservative Party, or he'll formally step down once the new leader has been elected, of course, the race was on, and, and the race has now been narrowed down to four candidates that are running to become the next leader of the Conservative Party. And it's interesting because two of the four candidates are, are very socially conservative candidates. And in fact, this is actually the first time I can remember that the pro-life and pro-family movement is pretty unified behind both of those candidates. And so I just wanted to take a look at the, uh, the race overall to give you an idea of who's running. And I'll, I'll let you know what I think. I'd be happy to, uh, to hear your thoughts in the comments. But So the race is very basically narrowed down to four different candidates. The, the, the major candidate, the perceived frontrunner, is Peter McKay, who's a former Canadian member of Parliament. Uh, those of you who, who are familiar with Canadian politics will recognize his name pretty quickly. Uh, he was a member of Parliament from 1997 to 2015. Um, he helped create the merger between the Conservative Party and the PC Party under Stephen Harper, or sorry, the uh, the Reform Alliance Party and the Conservative Party in 2003, and then subsequently held a bunch of very high positions during the Harper years. He was the Attorney General, the Minister of Justice, the Minister of National Defense, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. And so he's sort of considered the consensus candidate. He's the red Tory candidate. He's 54 years old. Everybody has long suspected that he was going to come back out of the woodwork uh, from where he's been hiding out in Nova Scotia, re-enter politics, and, and, and take a shot at the top job. Now, Peter McKay is, is the one candidate that I think would be truly disastrous for social conservatives in this country. Because basically, Peter McKay has never met a principal that he wouldn't sacrifice in order to get him to power. Um, I know he says he's conservative. I'm confused as to what that actually means. Uh, you've got like the, these red Tory that are red Tories that are basically socially liberal. Uh, Peter McKay is radically opposed to reopening the abortion debate. Uh, he said that social conservatives were a quote stinking albatross around. Uh, Andrew Shear's neck during the previous election. He's fully on board with the, the LGBT agenda. And, and even if he isn't, he's fully willing to, to give the other side whatever they want. So my view actually is, is that if, if Peter McKay becomes the leader of the Conservative Party, um, he would obviously be running the party for years to come, even if Trudeau gets elected again, which based on his approval ratings right now isn't entirely unlikely. Um, it's likely that Peter McKay will take another shot. And if he becomes uh, prime minister, or even if he basically takes over the Conservative Party and uh, takes tight control of nominations, uh, purges social conservatives and things like that, I don't think the Conservative Party uh, will be a, a valid home for, for social conservatives after that. I think any form of, of pro-life legislation would be entirely off the table. 
I think that he would essentially give in to whatever demands the LGBT movement asked for. And by that, I mean policies that have a genuine real-world impact uh, on how social conservatives live their lives, like the, uh, the federal version of the con- conversion therapy ban in Calgary, for example, which actually prohibits uh, private conversations between pastors and those struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction. It's banning certain forms of speech. It's essentially banning um, pastors or Christian leaders discussing openly what the Bible says about certain lifestyles. So Peter McKay essentially would be a liberal with a slightly better accountant, uh, and, and he would be particularly disastrous just because I suspect he would purge SOCONs pretty thoroughly. If he became leader, I'd probably be pretty much done uh, with conservative politics. There's a, a handful of MPs that I think are just phenomenal that I, I would campaign for, Arnold Vierson being one of them, uh, Tamara Jansen being another. There's a few really, really good socially conservative MPs that deserve uh, uh, the help and the support of social conservatives. But if, it, if this becomes Peter McKay's conservative party, it basically means that uh, social conservatives don't have a, a viable political home, at least in terms of of any of their agenda being enacted or even even respected. Right. Um, Peter McKay has no desire to pander to SOCONs and his his entire campaign has kind of been a dumpster fire. He's got these we he's had all these like really weird memes going up on on Twitter with flashing lights and saying stuff like, you know, Canadians are strong because Canada is strong and, and Canada strong because Canadians are strong and all these like, sort of non non sayings. Um, they're like motivational posters, but the guy didn't know how to motivate anybody. And uh, he's also tried to pander to SOCONs a few times, specifically because of who he's he's running against, which we'll get to in a minute. But he's actually tried to pander to SOCONs. He actually came out and, uh, and accused Aaron O'Toole, the next candidate we'll talk about here for a second. Um, he came out and accused Aaron O'Toole of, of making the wrong decision in supporting uh, the trans rights bill. And then, of course, 24 hours later, he's promptly retracting that statement and, and, and saying that, you know, he's been contacted by members of the LGBT community and he now realizes what a faux pas he's made. So this guy is just a joke. Um, he can't even pander properly. He doesn't even know how to lie convincingly. Uh, his campaign is just sort of like the end, he doesn't have much of a platform at all. So his campaign is just sort of vote for me. It's my turn. Um He's like the Mitt Romney of, of the conservative leadership race if Mitt Romney had no principles. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, yeah, Peter McKay, if he takes over the conservative party, it's a disaster for social conservatives. And I actually think that um, it could actually hurt the, the electoral chances of the conservative party because if SOCONs decide not to show up, it's true that we're not nearly a big enough block uh, to win somebody in an election, but we're a big enough block that you can't win without us. So that's Peter McKay. The next guy who's kind of the favorite of a lot of, uh, of conservatives is Aaron O'Toole. He's, uh, all, he's an MP, and he's uh, from the electoral riding of Durham. He was elected to the House of Commons in a by-election in 2012. He's 47 years old. Uh, he was Minister for Veterans Affairs, and he, uh, he, spent a, a, he did a stint in the Navy and has worked on a lot of veterans' issues. And he's really running a um, middle-of-the-road conservative campaign. So he's a lot more aggressive than Peter McKay, who's, you know, as I said, his shtick seems to be vote for me because I'm there. Aaron O'Toole is actually uh, campaigning like a lower C conservative. He's 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 actually making a, a strong bid for SOCON votes. Now, I think he's sort of, well, he's a lot like Andrew Shear was last time. I think he'll be really nice to us during the leadership race, but I'm not convinced we'll get anything uh, from him afterwards. But he's at least smart enough to know that we're worth pandering to. 
because uh, he really wants the second or third uh, votes from the two social conservative candidates to end up with him. And if Peter McKay doesn't win outright on the first ballot, I suspect that the SOCON votes will go to Aaron O'Toole. My, I'm going to rank him third, um, and I'll explain why in a minute. So Aaron O'Toole is at least open to a couple of uh, different conservative policies, and he's at least willing to, as I said, um, recognize SOCONs as an important part of the coalition and then explain what he'll do to, to keep them in the coalition, to keep them in the party. Um you can go to it starts right now.ca slash Aaron underscore O'Toole underscore interview, or just go to uh, it starts right now.ca and, and, and click on the conservative leadership 2020 tab. And he actually, uh, he, he pitches, he pitches for SoCon votes and explains what he will do. He says he's a big supporter of palliative care. And that that's a response uh, to the developing youth in Asia culture that we, that we absolutely need to pursue. Um, he's said he will not whip members of the conservative caucus on abortion and euthanasia votes. He's a big fan of freedom of conscience. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's willing to at least sort of, uh, throw some fig leaves. Um, and, and, and his, his campaigning has been a lot more aggressively conservative. So I don't think he's a social conservative. Uh, obviously he came out and did the whole support for pride month thing right away. But at the same time, uh, he's smart enough to recognize that he needs SoCon votes if he's going to get put over the top and he's making an active play to keep them in the coalition. So I'd be interested to see what happens if O'Toole becomes leader, which is not not an unlikely eventuality. But the questions I've been getting pretty much nonstop from people actually boil down to the, the two social conservative candidates. And a lot of people are having a hard time picking which candidate they support. So one of them is Derek Sloan. He's a he's a freshman MP. He was uh, elected in this uh, last election in, in 2019 to represent the riding of Hastings Lennox, and um, he's a very social conservative guy. I've met him before. I've talked to him before. I really like him as a person, um, and he is he is campaigning uh, like he's campaigning hard right, um, and he oh he's. In my view, campaigning like it's a Republican primary rather than a Canadian conservative leadership race. Uh, I agree with pretty much every email I get from him that lands in my inbox. At the same time, I'm also very well aware that the percentage of Canadians who share some of the views he's putting out there is is fairly minimal. So he appeals. He appears to be going hard for the SoCon vote, for the the hard right wing vote, uh, and isn't really pitching a whole lot uh, to to build a coalition with, but. A lot of pro-lifers and social conservatives have been torn between uh, Derek Sloan, freshman MP, and uh, the lawyer Leslyn Lewis, who is the first um, woman of color to run for the conservative leadership. That would be a much bigger story if she wasn't socially conservative, but of course people are really ignoring her. And so I, I've done a, I did an interview with her uh, over at thebridgehead.ca where she explained where her pro-life convictions come from. She actually explained that when she was pregnant with her first child and she was also uh, getting ready to uh, have a career on Bay Street as a lawyer, that people pressured her uh, so much on, on getting an abortion that one of them actually set up a consultation without her permission because they really pushed this idea that, look, there's one choice. You can have a, you can have a career, you can have a child, but you can't have both of those things. And it's really, really interesting because I find her a fascinating candidate. I've been on a few of her Zoom calls. I've interviewed her, like I said. And I'm extremely impressed by the way she handles herself with the media. Um, she defended the uh, conservative position on the con on conversion therapy bill, which is to say this bill goes way too far. 
the conversion therapy bill is dangerous because it bans a certain type of speech between uh, parents and kids even, or pastors and, and, and parishioners. And Evan Solomon from the CBC, who's probably one of the worst hacks on TV, um, it's all these gotcha questions, right? He'll, he'll ask you, do you support a policy I support? Oh, you don't? I guess you hate gays. Then moving on right to the next question before you can respond. Um, but she actually shut him down and said, no, Evan, that's not what I'm saying. This is what the policy actually said. And I was really, really impressed by that. So the reason a lot of people have been asking um, which person I, I, I support and, and, and do I like Derek Sloan better or Leslin Lewis better, and that, the answer to that question is, is both simple and complicated. So first and foremost, um, yes, it is true that Derek Sloan has more pro-life policies than Leslin Lewis does. Leslin Lewis has the No Hidden Agenda platform. She calls it Funding Crisis Pregnancy Centers. Uh, banning uh, sex-selective abortion, no funding for abortions overseas, policies like that. And those policies are very carefully calculated to be policies that the majority of the Canadian public supports. Uh, in the case of gender-selection abortion, over 80% of people support that policy. So keep in mind that her platform that she's putting forward is not only defensible, but she's already defended her policies in, in interviews with media figures who seem to have nothing really to say in response. Because they can't say, well, this is about a woman's choice, because she said, look, this is a choice that's being used to actually target women in the womb. I'm just ensuring that women have uh, the choice in terms of finances, which is why I want to fund crisis pregnancy centers. And they can't really come after her on a lot of issues because she's a female candidate taking this position. And because uh, she's a woman of color, they also don't really know how to ha hammer her on the foreign aid, foreign funding for abortions overseas. It is just simply true in today's political context, that she can get away with saying things that other candidates cannot. You don't have to like the rules of the game, but that's the game we all happen to be in right now. And so at the end of the day, she's a very attractive candidate to make the case for pro-life policies that she has specifically selected because a, a, a broad majority of Canadians support them. And so then the media, which is used to just attacking uh, on abortion all the time, has to explain why they oppose very reasonable policies that the majority of Canadians actually support as well. I've, I have some very liberal friends still, mostly from my university days, and I called one of them up a while ago and just said, what do you think about these uh, these positions? And he's he's a he's an, a voter that trends like left of the NDP, and he didn't see a single problem with any of those positions. And so it is true, two things are true in my mind. Derek Sloan has more pro-life policies, but it's easy to promise social conservatives of the world when, A, I don't think any rational political observer thinks he's going to be the next conservative leader. And so you can promise a lot when you're not going to have to follow through. Second of all, uh, if he became the leader, let's just use the hypothetical, he, he quite frankly would not be able to implement the, the agenda that he's promising. And so, look, if, 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 if we lived in a country where getting his entire agenda implemented was possible, I'd be voting for him first, absolutely. But we don't live in that country. The, that agenda, the pro-life agenda, a lot of the things he's pitching for, which, again, I support, I want, it isn't politically viable right now. It just is not. And we have to be honest about that. So I respect a politician who says, here's what I think I can actually accomplish, which means that Leslin Lewis is already defending this in the media. Keep in mind, Sheer told social conservatives uh, publicly we'd get nothing, right? He wasn't going to reopen the abortion debate, all of that stuff, and then just sort of 
thought there was a sort of a you know a wink and a nudge. But you know I'm I'm pro life, so you should vote for me because you know I have these convictions that I do my best to keep hidden all the time. Leslie Lewis isn't doing that at all. She's coming out. She's defending her no hidden agenda platform on TV. I think it's a brilliant platform, and mo- most importantly, I think it's actually doable. I actually think that her platform could get implemented if you had somebody with the guts and you had somebody with the will to actually go on TV and argue about these things and not get cowed by the liberal scaremongering right away. So for me, as a pro-life activist, what I want to see happen in this country is we need to start seeing the Overton window shift. And what I mean by that is we need to reset the conversation because social conservatives right now have been so effectively tarred and smeared by the media that we need, we do need to have a reset in order to start accomplishing real policy goals that we genuinely need to accomplish. And so my question, looking at the two social conservative candidates, both of whom I like personally, um, both of whom I respect uh, personally, both of whom I think are very, very sincere, uh, and again, in a different country and at a different time, um, I would rank Derek Sloan first. I just simply think that uh, all the emails I'm getting promising these various policy things, that's nice, um, and, I, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate that he's, he's campaigning hard for SoCon votes. But I also know when I get an email promising you know, a dozen things I'd like to see happen that he's not going to have to implement those things, realistically speaking. And so he's, he's appealing to my values, which I like. But what I like about Leslyn Lewis is she's, she has the honesty to tell me what's actually possible and what she thinks she can get done. And Leslyn Lewis, I don't know how much of a chance she has, uh, but she certainly has um, a lot more of a chance than Sloan. Now, I could be proven wrong on that, but um, that's just also based on the latest polling data. And I think that uh, uh, Leslyn Lewis being the new conservative leader would be a massive reset for social conservatives. And it would be the reset that we need. She would be impervious to many of the arguments that are generally leveled at us. And to be very, very blunt, I would love to have a female arguing the pro-life case, arguing against gender side, putting forward these arguments, because in the culture that we live in, when it comes to intersectional credibility, she's playing with four aces, and I'd like her to be playing for our side. Um, it's, just, it's just really that simple. Can you imagine Leslyn Lewis on stage eviscerating Justin Trudeau as he explains to her what women in, 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 the de- in developing countries need and that what they need is abortions. They need Justin Trudeau to fund their abortions. That's, that's what they need. Can you imagine uh, what that conversation would be like, what that debate would look like? To be really blunt, can you, can you imagine a guy who can't even remember the number of times he's worn blackface going up against a socially conservative woman of color who has already put forward her pro-life platform, defended it on TV, who has already stated her opposition to conversion, the conversion therapy ban and explained to Evan Solomon, who is generally airtight when it comes to, uh, uh, to trying to penetrate him with, with, with any fact that disagrees with his preset worldview. And she did a phenomenal job. And so I think that in order to reset this narrative, uh, in order to change the way this debate works, I, quite frankly, think that Leslie Lewis is our best shot, by far, hands down. And I said that when I, when I interviewed her, is I think that Leslie Lewis is an unprecedented opportunity for social conservatives. I also think that Leslie Lewis is one of the last opportunities for conservatives, because if, if Peter McKay wins, for example, uh, SoCons don't have a place in this party anymore. 
Um, if Aaron O'Toole wins, not as bad. I doubt he'll do much for us, but I'll rank him third. I'm going to rank Leslin Lewis first, Derek Sloan second, because I do appreciate um, his platform, and I do appreciate the way he's been campaigning for SoCon votes. Um, I just think Leslin Lewis would be a better leader. I think that her agenda is actually achievable, and I think that she's playing with the right hand considering the game that we're all playing right now in politics. And I think that that's like the way that we have to vote, the way that we have to pick a leader is we have to select the one we think will represent our interest, not only the best, but the most effectively. I also quite uh, frankly think Leslie Lewis does a lot better on TV and a lot better in interviews than, than Derek Sloan does. Derek Sloan gets dragged down a lot of rabbit holes. Um, and again, I agree with his position on those issues. Anybody who looks at my, my blog Anybody who's uh, who's uh, you know ever seen anything I've written at, at thebridgehead.ca knows that uh, Derek Sloan and I are are ideological fellow travelers, and that I agree with most of what he has to say. Um, but I say it because I'm a I'm a commentator, and I and I don't I'm not running for anything. Um, at the end of the day, in order for social conservatives to get a seat at the table again, we need somebody who can defend our interests at that table while appealing to the common ground that actually exists. Derek Sloan is not appealing to the common ground. He's appealing, appealing directly to us, which I like, but it's not politically feasible. It's not politically viable. Uh, Leslie Lewis is essentially stating, here's what I think can be done. Here are social conservative policies that the majority of the Canadian public supports. Let's start there. Let's start there, right? Let's start shifting the Overton window in our direction. Uh, from a political perspective, the pro-life movement, frankly, needs a win. And that's why it's interesting to me that unlike uh, Andrew Scheer, the pro-life movement was very split on, on Andrew Scheer. The pro-life movement is very united behind behind Leslie Lewis. They're big fans of Derek Sloan as well, uh, but both Campaign Life Coalition and right now uh, both support Leslie Lewis. And I just think that she would make, I think that she is what social conservatives need right now. Because um, we, again, have, our numbers are large enough and our organizing power and our, our volunteer commitment are large enough that, that, that all the candidates have to kind of suck up to us during the leadership race because they know that we're a very motivated interest group and that we actually do put boots on the ground and we do a lot of hard work. Peter McKay attempted to suck up to us and realized that he was going to have to spend way too much time apologizing to the organizers of Pride, and so he just decided to shut up and hope he wins on the first ballot. Uh, Aaron O'Toole, at least, is, is attempting to appeal to us. I'm, I'm genuinely not sure um, how I feel about him and uh, because I don't know... I don't know how, how honest he's being when he appeals to SOCONs because I do know that he sees SOCONs as a necessary part of his coalition if he's going to achieve the leadership. But I, I would not be surprised if he's bought into this view that you can't win with social conservatives in an election, which I have to say you can't win with social you can't win without social conservatives either. So they are they are kind of um, unable to figure out what to do. That's why I think Leslie Lewis's proposals are a phenomenal way of, of resetting the stage here. Um, let's go after social conservative policies that the majority of Canadians support, thus beginning to change their views of social conservatism. And politics is the art of the possible, by definition. Um, and so I like it when a politician doesn't pander to me, but actually tells me what she thinks is possible and how she will fight for it and is willing to defend it on TV. So, not to repeat myself, but that's one of the reasons I think that out of these four candidates, Leslin Lewis would be a, a dream come true for social conservatives. Um, uh, again, I really like Derek Sloan. I don't know anybody uh, who thinks he has a shot at winning, at winning the leadership. Um, we all appreciate him as a person. 
Um, again, like both as a person, as a politician, I really like the guy. Um, I have nothing negative to say about him. Um, but it's easy to promise dozens of policies when you're not going to have to implement them. And so people who are saying, why would you vote for Leslie Lewis over Derek Sloan when she's got these like five policies on her no hidden agenda platform and he sent her an email with 12 policies? And my answer to that is very simple because she might actually have a crack at implementing those four policies. There's absolutely no way he's ever going to take a crack at, at implementing those 12. It's just not real. It's not politically realistic. So I'll address one uh, one thing here before I, I sign off. A lot of people will say, why don't you just abandon the conservatives entirely and, and vote for the Christian Heritage Party? And look, a lot of my friends vote CHP. Um, if I was in a riding with a pro-abortion conservative, I'd vote CHP too. But at the end of the day, um, as a political party, they have never proven to be viable. Uh, they've, they've never managed to secure a single seat. Um, they've never done what the Green Party did, which is swarm a single riding with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers until you get Leader for Life Elizabeth May, her seat. Um, and so I just, I, I see a lot of threats coming from government um, and threats that really, really concern me, uh, like the conversion therapy ban, um, like uh, basically like encroachments on our freedom of speech, our freedom of association, our freedom of liberty. These things really make me nervous, and we need to have representation to push back in the halls of power. And I don't see the Christian Heritage Party with any legitimate strategy to actually be in those halls of power speaking for us. So at the end of the day, I want the person speaking for me to actually be able to speak truth to power. Um, and when you've been a, a political party for several decades and have, you've never put anybody in office, um, I just think you're asking people a lot. When you ask people for their votes, I think that the responsible thing to do is ensure that those votes aren't wasted. And you at least have to try to get elected. You have to do all the all, all, all the politician things. You quit your job, you door knock, you do all of that. Um, and so if uh, if there was a CHP candidate in my riding and they were doing that, they were going door to door and all that, sure, um, I, I would vote for the CHP candidate. But I'm just explaining why I do think the conservative leadership race is so important, especially for social conservatives. So send me any of your questions um, if you want more details on that. I've just been asked by a lot of people what my thoughts on the leadership race are. And I basically just wanted to explain why I support Leslin Lewis, and I'm going to rank her first on my ballot for conservative leader, and why I think she's a much better option uh, for for social conservatives and a much better option than, than Derek Sloan is for all of the reasons that I've explained. Um, but send me your questions. If there's enough questions and I, I got to jump on again and, and rearticulate this or, or respond to points people have brought up, I'm happy to do that. In the meantime, um, I'm going to have another show going up here in the next week or two. So thanks very much for listening along. Head over to thebridgehead.ca to check out my columns. My new book, Patriots, the Untold Story of Ireland's Pro-Life Movement, is also available for pre-orders and physical copies are coming in very, very soon. So check out all that at thebridgehead.ca. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend.